Welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast, a real estate podcast where we bring you stories, education, and tips for investors and real estate enthusiasts. If you're interested in investing in real estate or just want to keep a pulse on what's happening in the market, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. If you enjoy our show, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by the Five Star Co-host, an Airbnb management and consulting company that helps homeowners turn their properties into passive income streams through short-term rentals. Do you want to turn your vacation house into a passive income stream? Then look no further. The Five Star Co-host has served over a thousand guests in several Airbnb properties and in varying markets. The Five Star Co-host is at the vanguard of the short-term rental industry by leveraging technology and systems to maximize the guest experience while achieving high revenue for owners. Get a free home analysis by emailing the five-star co-host at gmail.com. That's the five-star co-host at gmail.com. T-H-E-F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-C-O-H-O-S-T at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hassle-Free RE podcast. I'm your host, Dave Menapace, and today I have Robin Simon, a partner from Easy Street Capital, uh, joining us. So without getting too deep into it, Robin, why don't you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about the company, and uh, we'll kind of pull the layers back from there. Great. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. So um, as you said, I'm a partner at Industry Capital. We're a private lender uh, headquartered in Austin, Texas. Um, I am partner. I run the DSCR platform, which is uh, uh, light dock um, long-term mortgage loans. Um, Eastry's traditionally been a uh, fix and flip lender, short-term bridge rehab for residential. Um, founded in 2016, the original partners had done a lot of institutional um, fixing flips in, in Southern California and decided to move over to the, to the lending side. Um, that business has been growing and recently expanded to a, to a national platform. Um, and they just hit a uh, billion dollars in originations this year um, through about 10 and a half months. So that, so that uh, side of business is booming. Um, I, I bought in this, this year, launched a complimentary division, which is um, loans for turnkey cash flow and long-term properties. Um, we've been growing uh, very rapidly too, and, and uh, um, just hit, I think, um, the 250 loan mark, um, nice. about 125 million so far year to date. And, and looking uh, you know, in October, when this is being recorded, probably our, our biggest month in about six or seven months. Um, so we're, we're very complimentary to the, to the rehab loan side of the business. We, we do, you know, any, any sort of, uh, uh, long-term 30 year fix, typically mortgage loans for cash flowing properties, uh, single family rentals all the way up to eight units, so duplex, triplex, quadruplex, uh, all the way up to small multifamily. Um, we really specialize in short-term rentals, um, vacation rentals, we're probably one of the nation's leaders in, in that product. And then we're really good for, uh, Burr investors because you can do uh, your hard money loan in-house. Uh, we don't do uh, appraisals for those loans, so you can close in 48 hours or less. And then uh, refinance all of the same company um, in three, four, five months uh, for a cash out refi um, in, in our DSCR program. So uh, happy to be here and happy to talk about you know our, our programs, our loans, and, and make things 
that uh, hey, you guys might have questions on or want to want to hear about. Nice, and and then of course there's like the coveted burr call. I think I think someone calls it like the burr B and B. It's the uh, burr into an Airbnb, which is sort of the best of all the worlds, right there. So <laughs> exactly, we we call it Airbnb burr. Um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're not it's a little vague if you're supposed to use Airbnb and any you know post oh, right. materials, but I, I like the sound of Airbnb burr. And, um, we, yeah. we, really do, we really do a lot of those. I love that. And so, so to clarify, so when you're nationwide, essentially, um, you have the ability to analyze, underwrite, and lend really in any state, I, I would guess, in the continental U.S. then. Is that right? Uh, any state except North and South Dakota. Um, and we are in the final innings of our licensing process in Utah and Nevada. Um, nice. So we should, maybe hopefully by the time this is released, we should be good to go in those states. But um, right now, 46 states uh, and uh, hopefully two more. And then, you know, maybe the Dakotas someday. Love it. I've actually heard several lenders that can't touch the Dakotas. I, I can't remember the reason. You don't have to go into it if you don't Yeah, I think it's it. just licensing requirements. And you look at the cost of getting the licensing versus the amount of deals in those sparsely populated right. states. And a, and a lot of lenders make that calculation for just uh, Nice. Well, before we kind of jump in, because we will get into sort of the thick of it with how some of these products work, and then especially, you know, obviously how the listeners can leverage them um, on their, like for their own portfolio growth. But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I think it was in 15 or 16 that Easy Street Capital was created. And more recently, you, um, you manage or you started this newer division that's doing really successful has your entire career been in lending or did you sort of find your way into that um, space as it relates to real estate? Um, yeah, so uh, my, my whole career has not necessarily been in lending. I actually started um, uh, my career in at, at Deloitte um, in their, their audit program. So, um, you know, I came out of school. I did kind of a one-year boot camp of accounting. Um, it was never really uh, going to be my career path, but you know, I've always heard, and I think it, it uh, rings true, is, you know, big four accounting firms, learning how to read a financial statement, learning those skill sets, and, and going in there is, is really a nice launching pad for business, um, and really, you can understand a lot of different things. Um, I went to the uh, Master's in Accounting program at uh, University of Texas here in Austin, and um, then went down to Houston, um, you know, started my career. Uh, I didn't really know where I wanted to go, what industry I wanted to be in, but I didn't know I didn't want to be a, a cog in a you know, giant oil and gas machine. Um, so I saw some of those clients down in, down in Houston, but you know, I always tell the story, you know, I go to these big oil and gas fields or, or warehouses, and I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Um, I don't know what this valve or pump or, or pipeline is, but then I would also go to, you know, uh, uh, work for some real estate companies. So I could tell you what a nice uh, hotel is or versus a, not a nice hotel or, you know, a retail center. Okay, here's the occupancy. Here's, here's um, you know, how this works. I understand that. Um, so I uh, kind of fell into real estate there. Uh, my clients were, were pretty big uh, publicly traded REITs um, in the commercial space. Mm -hmm. um, I moved on from there actually to another accounting firm technically, but did uh, consulting in in the CMBS uh, world. So worked on a lot of uh, CMBS, which is commercial mortgage-backed security transactions. Um, so really learned the securitization market there, really learned 
um, about commercial mortgage loans. Uh, Kim really an expert in, in the due diligence of that, uh, the, the structuring the transaction, um, uh, you know, how, how all that securitization market works mm -hmm. um, on the commercial side. So I uh, went to another company here in Austin about five years ago, worked in specialty finance, still real estate finance, uh, kind of a corporate finance role. And, and that firm launched a small balance uh, commercial uh, lending shop. Um, so I, I shifted my focus there. And then, um, you know, that firm launched a kind of residential DSCR program. So, so DSCR loans, it's, it's investment residential real estate. So it's a little bit of a, a gray area between right. commercial and residential. So these are residential properties, but they're for commercial use only. So no owner occupied uh, at all. They're all uh, rented properties, either on long-term leases or short-term rentals. Um, and then came over to Easy Street Capital at the beginning of this year to, um, to you know, launch a launch a full full-fledged, full-focused uh, platform on on just that investment residential, just that DSCR type loan program. And um, you know, here I am today. So really like the uh, really like real estate, real like real estate lending, the, the securitization aspect of it, and. Um, you know, I, I tell people just, just full transparency. Yes, I came from commercial background, commercial real estate. And yes, it's, it's a little more potentially interesting or sexy to, to look at and analyze a big trophy office tower in New York or, you know, super regional mall that has 300 tenants and stuff like that. And it's, it's not as exciting to look at a, a duplex with a couple leases, but, you know, structurally, I think commercial real estate is is going to be a little bit of a trouble office class office retail um, and not just short term just for for a while and uh, residential real estate uh, single family rentals and especially short term rentals I think are are poised to really grow and I'm really excited to be to be a part of it. Nice. Oh, that's a that's a really good background. Do you think that you know with uh... You know, I, I, we're, we're definitely, at least I feel like, you know, this is a non-political statement, but I feel like we're at the tail end of COVID. You know what I mean? Like at this point, some people are going back to offices, some companies have sort of stabilized and it's more remote and then some it's a mix. Um, but at least my, you know, my real deep interest in real estate started maybe about a year before COVID to maybe two years before COVID ever hit. And I mean, I've definitely seen, a big shift in that, that, you know, with uh, commercial, certain classes or certain types of commercial properties are still doing fine, but your larger office buildings, there's definitely a rethinking about the types of tenants that are going to occupy those now. And, and maybe that's why a lot of people are also continuing to focus on residential, because at the end of the day, people need a place to live and people like to go on vacation. You know what I mean? Um, as we start to talk about the short-term rentals, and so for our listeners, anyone that doesn't know, I know we've talked about it on different podcasts before, but DSCR stands for debt service coverage ratio. And Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times those deals are underwritten, meaning they're analyzed by the lender based on either the locked in revenue, whether that it's making. So if you have a lease that's signed or the sort of conservative um, projected revenue based, you know, if it's short-term rental based on, you know, what are other similar like kind properties producing in that same market or that same area is that am i tracking the right way on that yes product? yes so uh it's it's called dscr loans um it's 
exactly what you said. It's it's the qualification is, is primarily based on uh, the, the income from the property. That so the debt service coverage ratio is really your your ratio that picks your income over your expenses, um, and and that's you know a big driver of the of the qualification. We don't look at uh, DTI. We don't collect tax returns. We don't look at um, income at all. Um, so it, it's really a, a property based uh, underwrite. Uh, we will look at we will look at credit. Um, credit scores is an important part of the qualification, and we will look at. We want to typically see about six months of, of payments and liquid assets, just you know, so we know right. if something goes wrong. But other than that, it's it's a pure. It's pretty much a pure qualification based on the property itself. Well, and and one of the reasons I really love it, especially as it relates to. Um, to short-term rentals. I mean, all of our long-term rentals are now sitting with exception to two that we still have to refinance, but they're sitting in a DSCR product. You know, we show, you know, here's, here's what the, the rent is. Here's the, here's the signed lease for the property and here's how much we want to refinance. And it's just underwritten based on that. The reason I love it for short-term rentals is, you know, a lot of people can still go out and buy a second home uh, a vacation home, you know, with uh, a traditional mortgage. But once you start doing that more than a few times, a lot of things get a lot harder, right? We were talking about like the debt to income. If you have enough monthly payments, you know, and you're using a vacation home loan, not an investment loan, they're not factoring in to, uh, they, they can't use the income from those other homes as your income, right? So it's like at some point, especially if you don't have a W-2, you get capped pretty quick. And that's where you really, if you want to continue to grow and scale, that's where you call someone like Robin and you say, I have experience. I, 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 I want to buy this home. What kind of products do you have for me? So maybe Robin would be super cool, you know, just for the listeners here, talk a little bit about what makes a deal a uh, a favorable one to lend on versus one that is not favorable because not every single deal that someone just wants to short-term rental is going to really be a good asset to lend on. And maybe you could educate people on that a little bit. Yeah. And just a, a quick follow-up on what you said, kind of with the, with the capping out on the, on the DTI. And, and I, I like to tell people we're really, really good um, for, for people that are looking to scale probably in the, Kind of five to fifty uh, property range. So you, you're in your first property, second, third, fourth. You can probably still qualify conventional. Probably DTI is still okay. Uh, we can't beat those conventional rates. You should probably go that direction. You have more than fifty. You could probably sell to an institution and take your millions and retire on the beach. Um, but if you're or that, or join become a lender like you. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> but yeah. So but that fifth, five to fifty when you're really hit that five mark and you're ready to scale, you're ready to quit your job, you're ready to you know buy a property every month or month or two. That that's um, that's when we really come into play because uh, you know it's it's quick, it's easy, it's easy qualification, um, and uh, we can be fast. But um, you know what what makes a good loan uh, versus a bad loan is is um, no, we we really pride ourselves on the flexibility and uh, the qualification. So, you know, I like to say, you know, risk is not uh, necessarily good or a bad thing. So, you know, maybe some of your loan pieces aren't as good, uh, but you know, it might be worth it uh, if you're paying more points or paying more rates. We'll we'll still get it done. So, if you have a bankruptcy in the last four years, if you have a mortgage late on your last twelve months in your credit report. 
that's going to really hurt your rate. That's going to really hurt your terms, but we'll still likely do it. Um, so, so that's one of those things where I say, well, we just want to price that risk um, versus necessarily throwing a, a quote unquote bad loan, um, you know, away. But, um, you know, in terms of what makes a good loan, what makes a bad loan, so your pricing, your interest rate, your, your points, your term is, is really going to be driven by three factors. Uh, the first of which is, is loan to value ratio. So um, investors love uh, highest leverage possible because you can really juice your, your returns, but lenders love the opposite. Um, so the lower leverage, uh, the more cushion we have. So, um, you know, right now we'll end up to 80% LTV, but, you know, a loan at 65, 60, even lower um, leverage uh, is going to give you really good terms because that's lower risk for us. Um, second is uh, uh, FICO. So again, mostly an asset-based um, underwrite, but we'll really like to see the, the higher um, higher credit scores. Uh, one thing that's a little unique about us uh, versus some other lenders um, and non-DSCR lenders is we allow um, loans to LLCs. So you can use a partner or two partners and we will use the higher of the two uh, credit scores. So if you're 50-50 partners, uh, in an LLC and one person has a 680 and one person has a 780, we'll use that 780 because uh, both will, will guarantee the loan. So um, we can really uh, give, give good terms there, especially if you have a little bit of a split um, because the, the credit score will, will play a big role in your rate. Right. Um, and then finally is, is the DSDR. So um, we want to see, uh, we want to see uh, cash flowing. So one DSDR means you're, you're basically breaking even every month. Um, your income equals your uh, expenses um, and debt service. Um, over one, over 1.25, over 1.5. Um, it's hard to get there in this uh, current rate environment um, is, you know, is really good because it means you're, you're making money every month and you shouldn't have problems uh, you know, paying the mortgage. Um, under one is a little trickier. Again, some lenders won't touch anything under one. We, we will do it. I think there's, there's a few situations um, where it does make sense right now to uh, do a DSCR um, you know, under one, but uh, you're probably going to pay for that in, in a little higher rate or points as well. But um, uh, th those are the three main factors uh, that determine rates and, uh, and points, uh, DSCR, LTV, FICO. Um, in terms of what makes a good deal, we, again, we uh, will look for, you know, properties in good growing markets, um, uh, short-term rentals and, uh, you know, markets that are, that are as, as less seasonal as possible, um, that have really good potential as a backup plan to be a long-term rental. Right. Um, but again, you know, some lenders won't touch rural properties. We will. Um, some uh, uh, lenders won't touch, um, you know, properties that are in super seasonal markets. We will. Uh, you just might, we just might have to risk pricing that risk and you might be paying a little bit more. Well, and, and what's also interesting too is, especially if you're an operator in an area that is rural or super seasonal and you have a, a very strong track record of performance, I would assume that might also help. Or if someone wants to refinance into one of your products to release some of their debt to income, you know what I mean? And like that could probably also do it too, because um, 
especially if you bought in 2019 or you, you just like we hit the jackpot, my wife and I and one in Maine where we got it off market and it just the stars kind of aligned on that. And for that, I would say our income is probably around 2x what our expenses are. But then in Cape Cod, you know, it is pretty seasonal, right? Like, I mean, we get lucky that we have very high occupancy in April through October, but the real season is June, July and August, right? You know, it's the summer, it's on the beach you're in New England, which is not a year round summer state. And so, you know, within those three months, we probably make 80% of our, I'd, I'd call about 70% of our revenue and the other 30% is in the two month shoulder seasons. And then we take what we can get in the winter. But, you know, we also bought in 2019 at half the amount that the house is valued at now. So we're able to reach that like one and a half, you know, times our expenses. But uh, yeah, especially right now, things are still high. The uh, interest rates are still high. So um, it can be harder if you know what you're doing and you can be a 90th or 95th percentile operator It can certainly help your uh, help your cause, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I thank you for bringing that up for sure. Um, so I, I was one of the kind of the pioneers of, of underwriting short-term rentals with uh, AirDNA projection. Nice. So there, there's an article that's, that's pretty not, uh, nice on our website that kind of goes over the history of financing short-term rentals. And, um, you know, uh, the DSCR program really kind of took off in you know, the last five years or so, uh, 20, 2018, 2019, where, you know, for the first time it was dedicated for the short-term rental product. Um, but it was pretty conservatively underwritten where you kind of had to underwrite it as, you um, you know, uh, you know what it would do as a market rent long term, or yeah, to have uh, twelve months of history. Um, and then as you know, the market really heated up last year, twenty twenty one. You know, you had all these professional uh, short term rental investors looking to scale, looking to scoop up properties that they know they can you know, make a lot of money on, and you know they didn't have time to to wait, um, you know, for 12 months of history to, to get it financed, or they didn't have time, to, it, the property wasn't gonna cash flow on long-term market rent, even though, um, you know, they were confident they could do it and, and you know, it was, it was uh, going to happen. So last year, we, we, uh, we kind of took that and, and, and looked at AirDNA and really looked at all our, you know, loans that had history and what AirDNA was saying and, and it was really uncanny. Like we looked at 25 loans, uh, the last 25 loans we did uh, that had historical uh, data. And we looked at, um, you know, what Airbnb, Air, AirDNA, excuse me, said. Um, and, you know, the actuals was like average 93,600 and the AirDNA said uh, 92,800. It was within 1%. Right there, so, right. So we, we got it. Um, you know, we, we decided to use it for, uh, for, underwriting short-term rentals and then got, got some of the big uh, securitizers, um, MBS aggregators, uh, comfortable with it and really uh, off to the races in the short-term rental space, we, we took another big step. Um, but from the beginning, we've, we've been a little more conservative um, than some of our competitors, but it, it has really, uh, really served us well. So we, we view the world kind of in two buckets. Uh, one, what we call professional owners of short-term rentals. And we define that as someone who has a short-term, is buying a short-term rental and they have a, a, a short-term rental with 12 months of history or more that's uh, cash flowing successful in that same market. 
or they have three or more nationwide. So those, those investors will use the AirDNA projections to underwrite um, because they know what they're doing. They have a portfolio, they have success, they have their, they likely have their pricing engine dialed in, they have their, their cleaning, their management fee. They've had that hot tub explosion at 12 a.m. And, and they know how to deal with the problem and they know what they're doing. So we, we think they're gonna hit those, those AirDNA numbers, um, if not exceed them. And then we look at it, we look at everybody else. Uh, it might be a newbie and you know, no offense to you, your listeners, but they might have <laughs> to listen to a 30 minute podcast on get rich quick on Airbnb last year. And they, <laughs> right. they, they buy something and they're ready to um, they're ready to make make millions on, on Airbnb. <laughs> We're gonna be a lot more conservative underwriting those bars. We'll, as, as I said before, like we'll we'll price the risk, but we'll we'll just be a little more conservative and um, you know, around using Airbnb index. So that served us well. We've we've really um, we've really honed in on those professionals. Like I was saying before, those guys that are scaling from five to fifty, um, that want a reliable lending partner, um, that know what they're doing, that are like, fully dialed in, um, and you know aren't going to be surprised that the market is seasonal. Um, they, and then we've we've had a lot of success, um, you know, with those investors and. Um, you know, even even with rates where they are today in the eights and maybe nines um, uh, for the time being, we're, we're still doing deals where where maybe the DSCR for these pros um, last year was was two or three, and now it's it's maybe one point two, one point three, right? Five. So it's still cash flowing because you know what you're doing. You can make a make a ton of money on um, on short term rentals even with uh, even with high rates. Well, and, and to that point too, like I always tell people that, you know, and, and you being in the business, you'd understand this also, uh, you know, a rate does not stay where it, a rate is a very fluid thing, right? It, it has a lot of factors and it can, that an interest rate controls a lot of things based on what the needs of the people controlling it are. And um, uh, to your point, I don't think any investor gets completely frightened about rates. You know, what I've seen is that the increase in rates has helped a lot of my buyers. So that might sound insane, right? Like, how does that help them? But, you know, we're getting offers accepted in vacation rental markets at times quite a bit lower. If you find like than the listing price, if you have a motivated enough seller, you know, they're very aware of what those rates are as well. And, and, and I will say, I'll pause and say, there's times right now that we're getting offers accepted above asking because we see a misalignment in how the pricing was. And I could do a whole podcast on pricing a house to sell or not sell, whatever. But um, what I'm saying is that, um, you know, if you have a lot of equity in the house and you've bought smart and you're, you know, either you're an agent or you're using an agent who knows to achieve those buying goals, it doesn't really matter if the, to your point, Robin, if the interest rate is higher or lower, you know, are you at least hitting whatever that sort of minimum margin is from an investment that your goal was? And just knowing later that, you can either force appreciation in the home by making some updates with the income that you make after a year or two and then refinance, or you can simply, if you're already there, right, you can just hold it for a few years and refinance out of that. Um, and, and then like another one, I don't know if you do this for short-term rentals, but there's also like blanket mortgages. If you have several homes in one specific area, sometimes bundling all of those together into one mortgage, that might be a whole nother topic for 
maybe a second recording, but <laughs> there's things you can do, you know? Yeah, and, and we, we do offer those, uh, those blanket portfolio loans. Um, there's, there's not a huge advantage right now in, in pricing that. It, it's a little bit of less of a hassle, but to your point, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's becoming a buyer's market. And I think a lot of people um, aren't used to that and don't realize necessarily that, you know, that's where a lot of opportunity in real estate is, is uh, to buy um, at a discount and, and buy in a buyer's market um, when others are, others are beautiful. So it's, right. it's, it's definitely an opportunity there. But uh, I think one of the best things about our platform at Easy Street is we're a very lean, um, very forward-thinking, kind of efficient team, um, and you know I'm I'm really involved kind of in the day-to-day. -day. I'm seeing the seeing the pricing every day. I'm working directly with the you know secondary markets day-to-day, -day. so we can move uh, very fast. And uh, I'm not afraid to, to pivot and adjust, uh, you know, as as we need to. Whereas some of our competitors, they might be a little bigger, um, but you know. Fact is, you know, they're they're a little bloated, I think, and they have a lot of a lot of um, you know bureaucracy and red tape, and and you know a little, a little less reactive move. Um, so we're we're uh, you know on on the button, um, you know, always adapting. And and to your point, we we came out with a, a program a couple of weeks ago. It's one of the one of the downsides of DSCR that I that I didn't mention is is to get those rates uh, pretty close to conventional financing, uh, there's typically a prepayment penalty. Um, mm -hmm. So you might pay uh, you know, 5% or so uh, if you prepay within the first five years. Right. Usually not an issue because DSDR loans are for buy, buy and hold or, or long-term investors. So um, usually have a pretty long time horizon. So it's not, right. not that big of an issue, but you know, with rates the way they are, and in my view, not sustainable for very long. I think rates will come down in, in a year or two, right. if not much sooner, then there's gonna be a lot of refinances uh, available. But we, we, we came out of a program called Easy Flex. You know, we were able to launch it very quickly. And it's a DSCR loan with, uh, with no prepayment. Uh, it's, uh, you know, 25% down for acquisitions. Um, it doesn't have to cash flow. It just has to have a 0.75 X DSCR. It's fully eligible for um, uh, for uh, uh, short-term rentals. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're a pro, we can underwrite on on AirDNA, and it's a nine nine seven five rate and a point and a half. Um, uh, and yeah, it's it's exactly for for opportunistic buyers in this market. So. Um, right. And it will be a 30-year loan, and it'll be interest-only payments for the first 10 years. So it's it's kind of an alternative to hard money or an alternative to buying all cash in that um, you know you only have to put 25% down. Yes, if you can stomach the you know the higher rate and maybe the negative cash flow for a few months, you can go out and say make 10, 10 aggressive below market offers. What do you have to lose? What if one if one says yes, then all of a sudden you scooped up an asset. Uh, you don't have a lender breathing down your neck because you have interest-only payments for 10 years. Um, and you don't have to use all your capital um, with an all-cash buy. Um, and, you know, why get a DSCR loan at, you know, 8.5% um, with a 5% prepayment penalty when you can just right. pay 10% and, uh, you know, refi in a year and, uh, um, you know, with no penalty. So you actually come out ahead if you refi in the next 
two years or so. So that's been pretty popular so far. Um, I think it's, it's a nice tool that we were able to kind of come out with um, where it's, it's you know, not quite hard money rates of 12% or three points. Right. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's generally not even that hot, far above, you know, a normal VSCR loan right now or even a normal conventional loan right now. Um, but it's, it's a tool we can come out with and kind of adapt to the market and, and serve, uh, serve our, our borrowers uh, well as they, they try to adapt to the market. Well, and like, this is, this is actually a, a really, really good product because exactly what you just said, you know, when somebody makes a traditional 30-year mortgage, you know, payment for, you know, a uh, uh, 30-year fixed, you're paying some principal, you're paying some interest. And especially if it's straight line, it's like, you know, there's probably, you know, was it probably like half interest, half principal, what have you. Um, if you are sure the interest rate's a bit higher, but if you're only responsible for making interest only payments, and then you tie that to what Robin just said of buying smart with a lower offer. So off the bat, so let's say, let's say you put 25% down. That's like your equity off the bat, just based on loan to cost. But after you've bought that house and let's say you've made some updates and sometimes the updates aren't huge, right? Like it could literally be painting the interior of the home, maybe redoing the bathrooms. And then in, in Cape Cod, for example, adding some amenities like a rooftop deck so you can watch the sunset these are not very expensive. <laughs> these are not full rehabs, right? These are handyman. I mean, one structural engineer, but like th these aren't super aggressive projects, right? However, you know, one way that you improve the value of the home, especially when talking about DSCR is by increasing the revenue that it's making, because that's what this loan is. And so if you were to buy something, say with a million, you know, that costs a million dollars, but it was listed at call it 1.3, 1.4, and you can leverage Robin's product to have a faster close, right? Not a, a traditional 45-day close, but something faster. Get the fear of God out of these people selling because they're terrified no one's going to buy, especially for some of these that would require a jumbo loan. You end up getting that. You use something with the easy flex, right? You stabilize it. You get it cash flowing, which is not very hard to do in Cape Cod if you've bought smart. And then down the road, you know, you can then actually do a cash out, you know, wait till rates drop a bit. You can actually go back to Rob and do like, can they do a cash out refi into a DSCR with you as well? Yes. And, and that, that's, that's key. That's key because um, the whole point is, you know, yeah, you can do a, you can do a hard money loan and you can do a hard money loan with us if there is substantial rehab and that, that one can close in 48 hours. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that's really the key um, kind of understated piece of the EasyFlex program is that, you know, if you do get a hard money loan to rehab, that's usually a six month time, uh, shot clock. That's a 12 month, um, maybe shot clock, maybe you're paying extension fees. But with us, this is 10 years interest only. No one's breathing down your neck. Right. Um, there's no rush. No one knows if rates are going to come down in three months, in six months, in nine months, in 12 months. It doesn't matter. You have 10 years. I, I think they'll come down in 10 years. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and then the idea is you don't have to go to another lender and go right back to us. We're, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be here, um, you know, ready to do the refinance. We can do, you know, we haven't really talked about our, our refi, our Burr uh, product, but it's, it's 
probably very competitive, better if not the best offering around there. We can do uh, a full re refinance, cash out, 100% of your basis, 100%. So that's 100% of your purchase price plus any rehab costs with uh, three months, three to six months in. So you do a rehab three months later, you're getting all your money back, 70% of the ARV, and then six months, uh, same thing, 100% of your basis, but we can kick that up to 75% of, of the ARV. Um, so we are right. extremely competitive in Burr, um, especially if you use uh, hard money, especially with us, if you use the hard money to purchase, then it's all in-house. You don't have to send all those documents again. Uh, you know, we're already, we're already um, comfortable with you. And then another thing is, like we said, the, the Airbnb, Burr, um, a lot of lenders for Burr projects will require you to get that long-term lease um, before they let you uh, refinance. Uh, we're, right. comfortable, we're very comfortable with short-term rental, so we, we, we're pretty unique in that we, we won't require that lease even for a quick three-month cash-out, 100% um, of your basis. Don't even have to have it rented. Um, put it on Airbnb, um, and, and we're, we're your go-to lender there. And like, there are hardly any other lenders that I know of that are really doing these kinds of products. I mean, I talked to one one lender a year ago. I know like short-term shop down like in the Carolinas and Florida and like Tennessee and stuff, but, you know, they're not covering most of the nation. And um, like these types of products are super hard to find. I remember like a year ago, I was poking around for like a DSCR product for short-term rentals. And this was obviously before you and I met. And um, yeah, I, I would say it was like right around December, or January, maybe January of this year. And they could do, like I had the experience so they could write the loan for the the DSCR short-term rental, but I need to put a year's worth of mortgage payments into escrow, which I was kind of like, and on one side, I was like, well, that makes it pretty easy in case like it takes me a little while to launch and heck, maybe I can vacation in it for a bit <laughs> before I launch it. But I also was like, well, there's the $30,000 I was going to spend on furnishings in the hot tub. So where, where are we really getting? And, and now that this is sort of becoming more normalized, a little bit more streamlined, you know, through your products, it, it is a little bit easier, um, especially if you know what you're doing and you, I don't want to say more seasoned, but like the, you, you understand what happens with rates and what drives interest rates up and what brings them back down. And you know what that cycle looks like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the short-term rental space, it's, it's very, very, very exciting. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, some big industry conferences. IMN just did their uh, inaugural short-term rental uh, forum conference in, in Austin this past June. Um, and it's, it's really exciting to see a bunch of lenders there and a bunch of short-term rental investors, but really the kind of the cottage industries that are, that are showing as a legitimate asset class. Um, you got pricing engines, you got uh, short-term rental management companies sprouting up. It's, um, it's, it's really a huge opportunity, I think. Uh, you know, I, I tell people, I think we're in the, you know, the third inning of it becoming an institutional asset class. So it's not, right. quite, the be not quite the beginning. Of, uh, of short-term rentals. There's a lot of people that are and legitimate companies and, and lenders like us who specialize in it. Um, and there's a lot of people that have made, made a lot of wealth um, and have amassed portfolios, but it's still early, but it, it's kind of getting, it's still maturing. So 
Um, there's going to be another, you know, there's lots of conferences that are great. The FTR Wealth Conference in, yep. in Nashville this past year was, was really good. That's coming up again in March. Um, the IMN is doing another short-term, you know, rental forum in, in January in Miami that will be headline sponsoring again. So it's, it's really, really exciting industry to be a part of. There's some bumps in the road right here, but there's, there's always going to be bumps on the, on the ride to really an institutional asset class. And this is one of the few few that people can, I think, get in semi on the ground floor still and, and you know, kind of your average Joe can, can make a lot of a lot of institutional level money and there's not a lot of other places where that's possible. Absolutely. And it's it's one of those like rinse and repeat. It's a, it is, it's exciting, but like conceptually, right? It's a, it, in my opinion, it's a safe and can be kind of boring way to to build wealth but in real estate you know it's usually only the people that are in the weeds that find that you know find it quite as exciting now let me ask you this i know that you know for some of the the more like seasoned investors and you know the boutique hotel thing is becoming more and more popular um have are uh, call it eight uh, maybe 15 units right of some sort usually probably more like hotel room or bed and breakfast, but people that are sort of, you know, it's only natural that people are starting to um, build into those asset classes from the single family home that have been doing it for a while or built big co-hosting businesses where they can, you know, kind of double their units and plug it into their system. Is that something that uh, Easy Street considers uh, lending on as well, kind of in the same way as like a, a single family vacation home, or is that process a lot different? Um, it's different. And, and right now, no, because right now that product doesn't really exist right. uh, and it, yeah. it will over the next couple of years. I'm very confident of it. Right. Um, you see some players, uh, you know, trending towards that, but it, it's, it's an issue that the institutional financing for those, you know, short-term rental hotels, call it maybe eight to 20 units, um, and or the big, big portfolios where it's, you know, you maybe have 50, 60, 70, and you want a, you know, more of a non-recourse commercial style loan. It's coming, but it, it doesn't really exist yet because right now the DSDR product uh, that we do, it feeds into uh, Wall Street securitization and mortgage-backed securities, um, right. which are intermingled right now with, uh, with general uh, non-qualifying mortgages and, and DSCR loans on, you know, vanilla long-term rental properties. Right. Um, it's, I'm of the opinion that it should be separated and there's some momentum separating those out because, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's not the same thing, you know, uh, someone who owns a bunch of short-term rentals that are cash flowing is almost business. It's, it's a different asset than, uh, you know, business owners home that he owns. Um, right. But you know, I think it's coming, and, and right now it's it's not. It's it, but it's it's also interesting, kind of the way things are going in different markets, and you know, regulations, and you know, I'm I'm going to Nashville next next week, um, and they've they've kind of cracked down on STR permits in in the city, but there's there seems to be a handful of these kind of boutique complexes. Um, called boutique STR hotels. Um, but I'm actually staying in one of the Airbnbs um, mm. at one of these buildings. So I'm going to see how that goes. Um, you know, really yeah. just get boots on the ground. Um, but but maybe if it evolves there, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to go. Like I said, I think it's a, the 
third inning, maybe the top of the third yeah. inning uh, for the baseball metaphor. But uh, um, I think there will be a solution for those, especially as uh, as more institutional money comes into the space um, and people uh, see success with these uh, these gray area STR hotels, uh, whatever you want to call it. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, it's natural growth, right? I mean, just like, um, you know, more long-term rental type of investor, you know, at some point they usually will consider bundling up their, you know, their single families and turn around and 1031 exchange that into something bigger. And, you know, I could see the same thing going for short-term rentals. I'm sure that's how, I'm sure there's short-term rental, you know, operators out there and investors that have done that you know, several times already. It's just, you don't hear about it quite as much because of the newness of the industry. Um, so with that, I know that, uh, I think, I know that we're coming up uh, towards the end of our time here. Um, before we kind of give everyone the info for how they can reach out to you, and actually I'll pause and, and share that um, uh, for all of our listeners, the uh, the Easy Street website, a link to that article that we discussed and all of the contact information for Robin and his company will be right in the show notes, both on the, the podcast as well as the YouTube channel. Um, but anything else you can think of that, that might be good for the listeners to know before we get to kind of the contact info? Um, you know, I think uh, the market's changing every day. There's, there's no secret about it. It's, um, it, you know, rates can be you know, wildly different. Um, week to week, even a day-to-day basis. Um, the industry, especially if you're doing short-term rentals, is is changing rapidly, growing rapidly. So um, you know, I would just uh I would just uh you know recommend uh staying up to date. You know, I, I post a lot on on Twitter, social media channels, uh kind of observations, insights, um, not only on the on the deals that we do, but but market movements. Um which uh, you know is helpful to be accessible because you know, MBS um, market is a little a uh, little hard to understand if you're not kind of immersed in the small niche world of, of secure securitizations and structured finance. Um, and you know we also uh, you know uh, I post every single deal we do um, with some deal info, rate, leverage, stuff like that on on socials, which. Um, you know, I, I really believe in transparency um, and you can, you know, I, we're, we're in this for the long haul. So we want people to, you know, see what we're doing, what we're charging, um, how, we're, how we're coming through, uh, you know, for our borrowers. So I think that's really valuable. If, if you want to, if you want to, um, you know, stay up to date, I, yeah. I try to I try to share a lot of insights and, and how we're doing and, and be, a, be a kind of an open books because we're, we're here to build a, Premier, premier platform for for rehab bridge loans and residential short-term rental loans and DSR loans in, in the country and we're, we're well on our way awesome well with that how can uh how can people find you how can people follow you find you reach out to you yeah so uh, i think you said you're gonna you know, put in the notes and everything yep. but uh easystreetcap.com so no capital just cap um we have a lot of stuff there um, we have a, a pretty nice blog uh, with some industry insights, stories like that. And then my socials, I, I invest a lot of time uh, posting kind of info on our deals, on our uh, you know, market insights and, 
and stuff like that. It's Robin Simon, ESC, R-O-B-I-N-S-I-M-O-N, ESC. Uh, that's Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, um, and Bigger Pockets, um, all four of those platforms. Um, I like to I can be pretty active on there. Um, I'll respond to you know direct messages, um, uh, comments, anything uh, pretty quickly, and I love to love to hear from people and, and stay stay on the pulse because um, I try to share a lot of insights there and share a lot of what we're doing. But it's it's very valuable for me too. Um, the insights I gain um, a lot of a lot of big time short term rental investors, especially on, on platforms like, like Twitter, will share a lot of real time data, real-time anecdotes, um, kind of where where the market's moving, what they're seeing at their properties, what they're seeing on their investments. And, and that's that's really helpful for us to stay on top of the game and, and keep innovating with stuff like the EV Flex program I mentioned um, and really serve our, our borrowers the best we can. Awesome, man. Well, that's great. Um, I appreciate it. Again, all of these uh, sort of contact channels will be right in the show notes as well as the website and a link to the uh, one of the blog posts we talked about earlier, uh, one of the articles. But um, yeah, th- Robin, thank you so much for your time. For all of our listeners, again, um, if you like this episode, feel free to uh, subscribe on Apple or Spotify, or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can do it there. Post any comments you have uh, down below the the video or the uh, the episode itself. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any follow-up questions for Robin or myself, you can post them there. Uh, so with that, again, this is uh, Hassle-Free RE. I'm Dave Menefes. This was Robin Simon, and thanks for joining us.